0: Welcome to The Socialist Program, where we go beyond the superficial to understand the social and political struggles dominating the world today. I'm your host, Brian Becker. Today we are doing a special edition of the show with Lee Camp. Lee is a writer, comedian, activist, and journalist. For eight years, Lee hosted the television show, Redacted Tonight. But this anti-war, anti-imperialist program has now been shut down along with all the shows on RT America amid the anti-Russia frenzy sweeping the country. We'll talk to Lee about how censorship and militarism go hand in hand, especially in the current moment of crisis. Lee's latest book is called Bullet Points and Punchlines. You can find that and more of his work at LeeCamp.com, and you can support his work at Patreon.com forward slash LeeCamp. Lee, welcome to The Socialist Program.
1: Thanks a lot for having me.
0: Lee, you have been doing Redacted tonight. I mean, you do many other things. You do live shows, but this television show that was hosted on RT America, it's been, it's been something people counted on for a long time, eight long years. And you and the other people at RT America are now without your shows and without your jobs. What happened?
1: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Eight years and 375 episodes, and it all ends in a matter of hours. Well, we were not given many or almost any details, but I can tell you it was very sudden. On Tuesday, it seemed like everything was running fine at RT America, where there are many shows across the political spectrum uh, that film there. And then Wednesday, they said, no programming today. We'll have more for you tomorrow. And so... There's no program Wednesday they meet with us on Thursday and they tell everyone it's over and uh, you know grab a coffee mug on the way out. It was pretty crazy how sudden it was, which leads me to believe that it wasn't just, oh, we've had some pushback or, oh, we, you know, DirecTV doesn't distribute, you know, has stopped distributing RT America. So we're going to shut down because if it were any of those things, it would have been a slow process. They might have decreased the number of shows airing if they were lacking staff or money. But the fact that it was all instantaneously multi-million dollar studios shuttered, it just seems like it had to be connected to U.S. sanctions. Either the Justice Department, you know, somehow said, just you're done, or maybe the executives at RT started fearing they could be arrested. I don't know what it was, but it was instantaneous.
0: So, and just for our audience to understand it, when we talk about RT, RT is, of course, a channel, but it's also a brand. RT America is not the same as RT International. This is a, a U.S.-based company, Correct.
1: Yeah, back uh, several years ago, probably a year before Trump was elected or around that time, uh, they separated and are owned by an American company called TNR. So in addition to yourself, Chris Hedges, a well-known
0: journalist, commentator, progressive voice, also had a show on RT America. Also now that's gone.
1: Yeah, I mean, so so many important shows. I'm a longtime fan of Chris Hedges. People obviously beloved Jesse Ventura as well. And you know, the voices that that get shut down when this happens is really sad. It's sad for American discourse. It's sad for any kind of anti-war movement, those who stand up for peace, those who are anti-imperialist. The fact that these discussions cannot be had and, and all the wonderful guests that Chris Hedges had on. And I also had an interview show called Redacted Tonight VIP, where I was able to highlight so many voices that just cannot be allowed on your mainstream media. Some of the... These are anti corporate. Some of them are environmental activists, anti factory farming. You know, you go down this long list of just topics that the mainstream media views as lepers and can't get near them with a 10 foot pole. And I was able to highlight all that. So it really is sad to see this platform go, but it clearly is a direct intention it's cross platform in the span of 3 days i lost my tv show all the redacted videos are now banned in the, uh, on youtube in the uk and europe and my personal podcast moment of clarity was deleted from spotify and that happened in the span of 3 days so clearly there is a discussion at a higher level that goes across corporations you know announcing that these that certain voices needed to be shut down
0: I was looking at the front page of the New York Times today, and it was big, giant headline about Putin censors voices in Russia who disagree with the <laughs> war in Ukraine. I was thinking like, wow, I'm going to be interviewing Lee today. Uh, there's nothing on the front page of the New York Times, Lee, about the censoring of voices in the US. But I mean, the censorship is very, very profound. It's very far reaching. I mean, by the way, there was a um, I mean, Russian vodka is being taken <laughs> off of the shelves. By the way, I started drinking Stolichnaya in 1979 when Stolichnaya was boycotted because of the Soviet intervention in Afghanistan, which I thought was <laughs> probably for a good cause to save a socialist government from the Mujahideen, so-called. Uh, they so banned... you were
1: doing you were doing your part with vodka.
0: I did, and I yeah. and I kept with it for decades. I have to say, I was. Um, <laughs> Even after uh, the counter-revolution and the Soviet Union overthrew socialism, Stolichnaya remained part of the household. Uh, Lee, the International Cat Federation banned Russian-bred cats from being registered (laughs) in any of its pedigree books. Did you know about that?
1: (laughs) I hadn't heard that one. Uh, Does does anyone think that maybe it's almost uh, pride and ignorance at this point?
0: Yes. I want to say that again. International Cat Federation banned Russian bred cats from being registered in any of its pedigree books. EA Sports announced this week that it's removing Russian national and club teams from all of its video games. Mm -hmm. That should be that should be a big blow, of course, to the Russian government. And there's a a Russian themed restaurant in Washington, D.C. that was vandalized, broken into. It turns out, though, Lee, that it that it has no ties to the Russian government. And in fact, the owner's not Russian. In New York City, people <laughs> are boycotting Russian restaurants, which for the most part are owned by Ukrainians. I mean, this is where <laughs> we are right now. Anyway, a complete hysteria. Again, you know, we know, and people who are in the socialist movement, we know about the fact that when wars start and war hysterias begin. You pay a heavy price if you have an independent voice. Eugene Debs, at age 66, mm-hmm. sentenced to 10 years at hard labor for the crime of giving an anti-war speech against America's entry into World War I. I mean, war and militarism and capitalism, they don't tolerate free speech when it comes to the national interest at a given moment.
1: No, absolutely not they tout these ideals of free speech freedom of press you know they claim other countries can be free to have outlets in our country but We've seen this ongoing attack against RT America for years now. They forced them. They were the first ever media organization that was forced to register as foreign agents, even though that's supposedly, you know, meant to be used against lobbyists. And, you know, then they were labeled across all the media, social media platforms, YouTube and Twitter. And however, they were very slow to label or put forward any of these uh, restrictions on other state media outlets like BBC or CBC. And so apparently it's just, uh, you know, countries we don't like are apparently foreign agents. And, you know, I say it so much that I start to assume people know it, but, you know, some people might not be familiar with my work or anything. And, you know, I just want to make clear that I had immense freedom at RT America. The reason I was there is because you are not allowed, even as a comedian, you're not allowed to be fully anti war, anti imperialist, anti corporate at any of the other mainstream networks, any of the mainstream networks. And I was there because I had this immense freedom to do and say whatever i wanted i was never censored i was never told to say anything or told not to say anything i wrote all my own words unlike every other you know comedy news show on television and that's why i was there this you know rt america also had a very diverse group of viewpoints they had right wingers on there that i don't agree with at all but what united us i guess was that we were all kind of outside of the overton window the allowable corporate thoughts that can be put forward on on media airwaves in america and it's a very tiny window of allowable thought that that you actually see So that really is what united the people at RT America. But again, it's sad to see a platform go. And we're seeing zero defense of RT America from our mainstream reporters, from, you know, journalists across the board. I, I haven't seen any from large outlets come forward and say this is wrong. You know, they act like they stand for these ideals. And meanwhile, they are perfectly fine as the thoughts or the voices that they disagree with are shut down or censored. There is very little pushback.
0: Yeah, that's so important because the freedom of the press, freedom, the First Amendment, the right to assemble, the right to redress grievances, the right to have a free press is always upheld as like this, one of the most important characteristic features of democracy, or at least of American democracy. Many other systems that call themselves democracy don't have a First Amendment. I would include there, of course, the United Kingdom, the UK, Britain. But when media is being suppressed, whether it's Julian Assange which of course the New York Times and the Washington Post and the Guardian were very, very happy to publish the materials that WikiLeaks was releasing that the government didn't want released, but were in fact, you know, truthful and accurate, maybe embarrassing, but accurate about the U.S. war in Iraq or other parts of U.S. or other governments, you know, real foreign policies or machinations. They were glad to use it. But when the press is on the hot seat, they're completely muted. I mean, nothing for Julian Assange. RT America, if anything, the mainstream media so-called is pouring on or piling on with vilification.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's another place that you've just seen how weak and cowardly our mainstream media is. You know, Julian Assange, such little amount of coverage for him. They've basically just erased him from history and really, if they cared at all for their profession and for the actual idea of revealing truth, which WikiLeaks has never published anything wrong or incorrect, then they would be standing up for him. They would be talking about not only he should be freed, he should have statues made of Assange. And it really, it shows that these are, you know, bought out people working for corporate America. They're stenographers for the State Department. And you never see them more in lockstep than when it comes to promoting a war. And I know some people are going, well, it's Russia who's at war. We're not promoting a war. We're against it. But in fact the US is kind of, you know, weaponizing people's empathy. And care for Ukrainian civilians to draw this conflict out as long as possible. So in a way, it is still pro-war. It's using this care for Ukrainians uh, to make sure this lasts as long as possible because the US views, you know, getting Russia bogged down in Ukraine as a as a as a propaganda win and a win for sanctions, et cetera. And so they are trying to stop the peace process. I mean, anyone who supports civilians, doesn't want to see civilians die, should want to see a peace process immediately, should want to see all of this stop immediately. Instead, you have people talking about, we need a no-fly zone, we need to send weapons to Ukraine. All of that is just dangerous and toxic and will just increase more bloodshed. And yet that's what all of our mainstream outlets seem to be, you know, the, the idea that they seem to be fomenting in people's heads.
0: I want to just pick up on something you alluded to. Hillary Clinton, who was the leader of the Democratic Party, former secretary of state, said just the other day in her own inartful way that if the war continues in Ukraine or whatever happens, that the U.S. should start to fund and organize an Afghan style insurgency as it did in 1979 against the socialist government of (laughs) Afghanistan. And she said, well, of course, that didn't work out very well for the Russians. So like, okay, that's the model. Let's fund organizations, say, like the Mujahideen led by Osama bin Laden, which is what she's talking about. That didn't work out for the Russians. And then she says, of course, there were some unintended consequences and has this little (laughs) smile. Well, some of those unintended consequences would be Afghanistan was at war for 40 years. Afghanistan women and girls lost their educational rights and cultural rights and social rights that they had enjoyed under the socialist government in Afghanistan. Of course, there was for instance, the World Trade Center, I guess that's another unintended consequence in, in terms of the blowback of that policy where you know thousands of people died. But Hillary Clinton sort of reflects the amorality, lack of ethics, cynicism of American policymakers when they're crying crocodile tears for Ukrainians. And we all care and should care of all the suffering going on in Ukraine. But these people are pretending to care about Ukrainians, but what they're really planning is the next geostrategic move, like funding an Afghan-style insurgency against Russia. And I mean, when you just think it about it, yeah. you can't get more cynical.
1: Yeah. And Syria, they they funded that type of crap as well. And you've seen the so whole society is destroyed, millions of refugees. It's catastrophic. These people are sociopaths and they have no credibility. The level of hypocrisy is just mind blowing. I mean, the interview the other day where Condoleezza Rice said that invading a foreign country is a war crime. And I'm like, uh, does nobody remember what her resume looks like? I mean, for God's sakes, these these people are out of their mind and they should be banned for they should be the ones banned from airwaves. If you wanted to if you wanted to really cancel someone, how about all the people who have committed war crimes in America's names, all the people who've gotten us involved in this endless level of war, whether it be Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, Libya, Yemen, then economic wars on country after country. The amount of death and destruction wrought by these people and then they actually act like they are concerned for a civilian somewhere.
0: Yeah. The Wall Street Journal today, front of the Wall Street Journal, lead editorial, U.S. defense after Ukraine. Biden needs to pivot to rebuilding the military as Jimmy Carter did. Rebuild the military. I mean, the U.S. is spending almost $800 billion on the Department of Defense and then another $200 billion elsewhere for death and destruction. The U.S. isn't actually at war against Russia right now. In fact, if it were, that would be a nuclear war, which is good. But here's the answer, Lee. War in Ukraine. Let's build the military as if that's the solution. When in fact, when you look at what's happened in the last two months, all of this could have been avoided if the U.S. had just said yes, instead of no, to Russia's legitimate security concerns that it didn't want NATO Uh, placing advanced weapons on a 1,200-mile-long border with Ukraine. I mean, the U.S. could have said yes. Matter of fact, I'd say if the U.S. wanted to end this war right now, instead of spending another trillion dollars on death and destruction, why not go back to the negotiating table with Zelensky and say, okay, your security concerns are legitimate, and we're going to say yes, Ukraine will be neutral. I mean, Finland was neutral. Austria was neutral. Switzerland was neutral. What's so wrong with being neutral?
1: Yeah, the U.S. has stood in the way of maintaining peace at every step of this process for years now, you know, funding Nazis, arming uh, Nazis, uh, sending missiles to Ukraine, making sure they didn't promise to not be in NATO. They have you know, pushed this further and further to this point, and you can be against Russia's invasion, against bombing of a country. You can be against that and also not be a moron and ignore all context of what has gone down here. I just interviewed on my Patreon, I just interviewed uh, Scott Ritter, the former UN weapons inspector who, of course people will remember, was absolutely correct about no WMD in Iraq. And he was running around with his hair on fire trying to tell everybody there's no WMD in Iraq. And everyone ignored him or our mainstream media mocked him. And he was absolutely right. Well, I interviewed him yesterday and he said, all the evidence he can see, Russia is easily winning this, even though they're not using, obviously, all the weapons they could. And really, the only way to stop bloodshed and to stop this is to sit down and hammer out a peace deal and agree to Russia's security concerns. And that's his view, is that this is an easy win for Russia. And so, you know, sending arms to uh, grandmothers in the streets of Ukraine or things like that just creates more bloodshed. And yet the U.S., is you know, pushing things in that direction towards more bloodshed, towards more of a horror show in that country.
0: The hysteria against Russia and Russians, or you, because you were on a Russian, or it's not even a Russian, it's an American company, but RT America. The hysteria is kind of so deep-seated in U.S. politics going back to the Cold War. When I was 15, Lee, and I was thinking like, "Oh, in 3 years I'm going to be drafted and I am going to have to go to Vietnam or prison." And I was like thinking about the Vietnam war a lot as we're all, you know, young males my age at that time, and I was part of the anti-war movement. I was 15 and I would go out in the street, and by the way, it wasn't that radical in the late 60s. Uh, there was a lot of right wingers. Maybe most of the country was still pretty right wing. But I'd go mm-hmm. out in the street and I'd leaflet or hold a sign, and people would drive by and yell, "Go back to Russia! Go back to <laughs> Russia!" And I was like, "What does that mean?" Like I didn't really understand why <laughs> I was supposed to go to Russia because I opposed the war in Vietnam. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's just talk about how how important this is in American politics.
1: Yeah, I mean that that just goes to show the ignorance that that really gets celebrated in in these times in times of uh you know more stark global events more dire global events you know right now we're on the cusp of nuclear war you know these are nuclear powers that are going up against each other and people should be just all about understanding the situation and demanding peace not demanding that we arm insurgencies <laughs> Which we know just destroys civilizations. But, you know, whether it be Biden or Trump or Clinton or Obama, they all seem fine with the number of deaths that they cause in these countries where they arm people and, you know, try and create coups, try and create failed states And the deaths are just unbelievable. I mean, the latest estimates when you account for indirect and direct deaths from our wars on terror over the past 20 years has been 6 million people, 1 million direct, but 5 million indirect where people can't get water and they can't get food and they're trying to leave their home. And it's just insanity. And here the U.S. is again promoting another armed insurgency it's just, you know, and, and that gets the, the center of my ire because I'm an American living in America. If I were a Russian living in Russia, I might have a different center of my anger. But, you know, that's what I am.
0: Yeah. Well, let's also talk about what the options are for people like yourself or Chris Hedges or for this show, for people who are involved in alternative media. Now... Mm-hmm. CNN is not going to hire you. They're not going to bring Redacted tonight. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry, Lee. And so neither is MSNBC and, and Fox News isn't going to do that either. And so a network like RT America says, look, you're funny. You have a particular perspective. Yes, we have other shows that are conservative or right wing, but you represent a left wing perspective. And, you know, if we want to build an audience We're going to bring you on. We're going to bring your show on and that's going to help us and it's going to help you. And you say, yes, that's a good deal because one, I can do my own thing. You, Lee Camp, can do your show. Nobody's telling you what to write. You're writing the stuff yourself. And then if you do it, if you're on RT or if you're on Sputnik, then the same media that would never give you a platform will say, how dare you go on that platform? So the only way to really absolve yourself, Lee, is to remain completely silent right. if you have the point of view that you actually represent.
1: Yeah, they they want you to remain silent. They want to take away the ability for you to put forward this messaging of of anti-war, or anti-imperialism. And you're right, there are not a lot of options. The mainstream networks, I think some people who don't quite understand how our media landscape works, or even beyond just news media, how our television landscape works, they think, oh, well, you are a successful comedian. You had a successful show. There's a million opportunities to you. You know, one network or another, even some of the smaller ones. But no, none of them are interested... Whatsoever. The closest that, you know, me or Chris Hedges or something could do is, you know, maybe there's an independent outlet who can help us put together some kind of show, nothing that would look like Redacted Tonight, but something. Or we go fully independent and it's just, you know, I've set up patreon.com slash Lee Camp. And if I got a certain number of subscribers, there's a chance I could put together something that uh, resembles a, a higher level uh, a comedy news show. But It's incredibly difficult. And I think that these platforms that have suffocated and purged us, they want to make sure it's incredibly difficult. I mean, my Facebook, my personal Facebook, it is not owned or connected to RT America, has been essentially shadow banned since 2016. Before that time, I was gaining uh, like 5,000 followers a week. I had 330,000 followers on that Facebook page. And following that time... I never gain followers, and most of my posts are seen by no one, or almost no one. So this crushing, this suffocation of voices for peace, voices for understanding, voices for seeing outside of capitalism, they're being purged and destroyed, and they have been for years.
0: We're in something what some of us call the battle of ideas. You know, the, the way the ruling class gets away with endless wars or a criminal justice system that locks up 2.3 million people. One out of every four prisoners in the world is in an American prison. The way they get away with such inequality where the trillionaires keep getting richer and richer and richer. I mean, they increase their wealth by 30% since COVID started while vast parts of the population have food insecurity, the way they get away with that is there's a muzzling of the real discourse about ideas. I mean, it's not simply Mm -hmm. repression, the police, the cops, the, the military, the sort of suffocating repressive instruments of the state, it's the domination of the narrative. And this is the so important, like what you're doing and what we're trying to do here on this show and what other independent left progressive media are doing. We're fighting this battle of ideas because we actually believe in the power of the people. We believe people really can make change. But part of that process of empowerment is having ideas that contradict or go against the dominant narrative, which is really designed to pacify the population and make the population willing to accept anything from a government that's carrying out, in this case, endless war.
1: Yeah. And you and I have talked a lot about how it's a purging of anti-war voices, but, you know, also it is those who stand up against capitalism. It's those thoughts and those voices as well. You know. I've done many segments on how how insane, when you really step back and look at it, how insane the idea of wage slavery is, the idea that your average American does not enjoy their job and they're forced to do it most of their life just to survive. And it's like, why is that the society we've set up? Why is it that, I mean, you're basically born free and then you have to rent back your life from some corporation. Mm-hmm. You work five days a week so you can rent two days of, of freedom. It's 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 insane. But just that standard, you know, idea of let's let's discuss that. Let's sit down and, and talk about why that is. That idea can not be heard on a single media outlet that is allowed in the United States. No, I agree with you. There's
0: so many absurdities, bizarre absurdities, and obvious ones about the capitalist system. One thing that's just coming out right in the last couple of days is all the companies that started making masks during COVID are going bankrupt now. They're laying off all their workers because at the beginning of COVID, when we needed masks, there weren't any because it hadn't been profitable to make masks unless you could sell them at that moment and make a profit. So then the COVID happens and everybody starts making masks, but now COVID is diminishing. So all these same companies are going to go out of business. So when the next need for masks, the next COVID, the next pandemic, there won't be masks again. Again, it's a bizarre system, but the mainstream media is acting like, how can we ever solve this problem? Hmm. This is just such a tough nut to crack. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and it was the same. I remember it was the same with ventilators as well. It was, you know, there were epidemiologists pre pandemic who recommended having, you know, at least large numbers of certain numbers of ventilators on hand for when and, you know, if and when this happens. But of course, that's not profitable. It's not profitable to store an unused ventilator in a hospital. So they didn't do it. And so most of these hospitals had very few ventilators to help save lives. But yeah, it's exactly what you're talking about. It's putting profit over all else. Profit is the center of all decisions. And many people can't even imagine thinking outside of a world where profit isn't the driver, where profit isn't the God that decides everything. And that is exactly what you're speaking about, a lack of imagination, a lack of having that analysis even presented on on airwaves where people can take it in. Because even if you disagreed with it, you would have at least had the discussion, whereas most people have never even had the discussion about how insane a society where profit rules all is. Yeah, no, absolutely. And
0: there are so many different examples of it. And again, without talking about it, it seems like A lot of people are kind of convinced that the social system has some divine mandate. So the reason you have to produce masks for profit is just that's the way it is somehow, you know, like that's the second part of Genesis or something where God mandated mask production or pharmaceuticals or health medical equipment has to be produced for a profit and that alone, instead of having a rational system where you would think like, guess what? People are going to get sick and they're going to need healthcare. People are going to need medicine. People during pandemics are going to need these other protective equipment. And so society decides to produce these things because we will need them. And it doesn't matter whether it's profitable at a given moment for a particular corporation. Like those kind of as you're pointing out, those kind of discussions, you know, once people actually have the discussion, they agree with us. They think, like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's a bizarre, absurd system, but that's why this discussion itself is being outlawed. Lee, how can people support you? Make sure that Redacted Tonight doesn't go into the ethers, that you and your not just Redacted Tonight, but Moment of Clarity and all of the other important work that you do. How can they show their support, and where can they find it?
1: Thanks. Yeah, I've I've moved everything for now over to patreon.com slash LeeCamp. If I get enough members over there, then hopefully I'll be able to create something that feels uh, a little like redacted tonight you know it'll it'll never quite be the same but there will be something that that fills that hole both in my passion and in my heart but until such time as i'm able to uh, create something like that I have several other projects that I continue, my podcast, Government Secrets, my other podcast, Common Censored, and uh, I have articles, I have videos. Like I said, I just interviewed uh, former U.N. Weapons Inspector Scott Ritter, and that's all at Patreon.com slash Lee Camp. Yeah. And Lee,
0: what's the process whereby you get to fight back or appeal the banning by Spotify and other platforms of of your work? I have no
1: idea. I need to look into that. Uh, someone at RT was t- yesterday was uh, texting me about a class action lawsuit demanding that they're, you know, I haven't, my personal account has not been labeled state funded media, Russian state funded media, but others have. They were talking about putting all of this together into uh, some sort of lawsuit that, that says, you know, we've been discriminated against to have our personal pages and our personal podcasts, et cetera, deleted or scarlet letters placed across them.
0: Well, I want to urge everyone to go to your website, LeeCamp.com. If you want to become a patron for Lee, go to Patreon.com forward slash Camp. Be sure to get his book, Bullet Points and Punchlines. And I think what we're trying to suggest to all of our audience that when the government hysteria or the mass media, when the system comes down on alternative media figures like Lee Camp. We need to stand together. We need to show solidarity. We need to show support. We need to make it clear that this our community of resistance is going to defend and show solidarity with people when they're going through this kind of censorship. Lee Camp, thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Brian. You've been listening to The Socialist Program with Brian Becker, where we bring you news and views about the world for those who want to change it. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and watch video episodes of our in-depth show, The Real Story, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on YouTube with our partner, Breakthrough News. We can only continue our work bringing you high-quality news, analysis, and history with the support of our listeners. Connect with us and become a patron at patreon.com slash the socialist program and receive an invitation to participate in an exclusive monthly seminar with Brian Becker.